I am mining investor and editor of Resource Stock Digest, Gerardo Del Real, along with my partner, Mr. Nick Hodge, who's also an investor and the publisher of Daily Profit Cycle. We have some news on that front, by the way. This is the 201st episode of our weekly therapy session that we call Investing in Bizarro World. Talk about the markets, we talk about what we're investing in, and we talk about all the crazy stuff that's going on around the world. We got Brazilian lookalike coup attempts. We have copper surging. We have a precious metals market that's getting real sassy. We have M&A, the lithium space, crypto bottoming. We got conference season kicking up again. A lot to get to before I get into all of that. Mr. Nagaj, how are you doing, sir? I'm getting all fat and sassy coming off the holidays. There was a, a viral YouTube video a couple of years ago of this lady who was stuck in a, a hurricane and she was getting interviewed by the local news channel. You know how that goes. They always pick the most intelligent, well-dressed person to, to, to give a synopsis of what's going on. And she says, you know, we're just in the house making cakes and breads and pies and getting all fat and sassy. That is hilarious. It seems like uh, it seems like you're well, though. You're smiling. We recently saw each other at the company party. That was a welcome distraction. I think that was a success. It was great to meet half the people that we hadn't yet met in person or that I hadn't yet met. So that was awesome. But how is, how is life other than getting fat and sassy? Oh, life is good. I was in Maryland for three weeks for the holiday. Got to see uh, the parents, the in-laws, um, obviously the grandparents of, of my three kids and spend time with the aunts and uncles. And then, yeah, uh, bring the company together for uh, the first time really ever, because last year some people didn't make it. COVID was still a lingering issue. And um, it's <laughs> amazing to think that you have a company of, you know, 13 or so people. And some of them, in fact, most of them hadn't met each other. So um, uh, we had a great time. We we got a lot of drinking done. We got some bowling done, some axe throwing, and, and that was fun. Um, but I feel behind having been out for three weeks, so glad to get back to it. I'm glad the tax law season is over. Glad to see gold at 1900 um, and plenty else to talk about in the market. So I just finished up my monthly issue of Foundational Profits today, in fact. So it's all right here. Let's get yeah. to it. Let, 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 <laughs> let, let, let's get right into it. A lot to get to. It definitely feels like we're playing catch up, especially, you know, on, on my end as well. We had the three weeks of holidays and, you know, back to back, you know, short weeks. And then I, I had a personal situation that one day I'll share on this podcast that, um, you know, after my, my mother-in-law passing in April, my dad passing in July, this one was like definitely the cherry on top and not a happy one. So I'm glad to have that behind us and thankful that ended positively. And so, yeah, look, let's get to it. You talked about gold, 1900. Um, gold looks sexy. Yeah. I mean, we talked last week about if it was state sustainable or not. And, hey, you know, in December, I said, uh, you know, it's got to break that 1800 level psychologically and technically. And it did that in very strong fashion. And now we're sitting at the 1900 uh, level less than a month later. So the gold is looking very strong to, to me for a couple of reasons. Um, uh, that I guess it's worth running through. You've got the dollar probing the the low end of its recent range, um, down around 102 and a half or, or 103 on the on the DXY. I think that holds. Um, the bigger thing, and, and and we talked about this in previous podcasts as well, is that 10 year continuing to get uh, soft as we enter the the back half of this recession. And so, um, you know, gold is is looking really good here. I would say that some of the miners have lagged and and, and have some some upsides still to go. Um, you know, trees don't grow to the, the grow to the sky. Of course, I'm not looking for 2,000 quite yet. I was looking at the chart earlier today. It seems like 
Um, goal needs to get to 1919 or so, um, you know, breach that level, hold it. And then, then we'll talk about the next like higher that would, um, you know, likely bring in some momentum traders, some, some chart chasers and some institutional money, which is, you know, still has a very small allocation to gold. People forget how small the gold market is. It's worth reminding them from time to time. Um, you know, you've got stocks like Apple with trillion plus market caps that are that are bigger in some cases than, you know, like the entire TSXV, for example. And so just need a little bit of capital to come back into it. And I think you'll see that <laughs> as, um, you know, gold proves to be that recession hedge that that we always know it was. And as we get into the back half of this recession, which is coming and, and maybe we should spend some time talking about. No, let, let, let's get into it before before we go on. I, I, I have to say, because, you know, when I had my little crazy week week and a half um here to end the year I, there, there there was a from time to time i'll jump on the chat boards and just watch right and, and my absolute favorite one is most definitely ceo.ca and the patriot battery metals chat room so i want to say hello to everybody out there shout them out because they 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 keep me in stitches it's uh every time patriot goes down i wonder if it's gerardo's group that's silly <laughs> we haven't sold a share y'all i personally haven't sold one share but I want to thank them for the commentary. It's it's a fun, fun chat room. If you're ever bored, Nick, get on there and go check go. those guys out. They're 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 funny as all hell, and um, yeah, it's really entertaining. And 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 look, there's some really quality posting on there with you know. There's also some not quality posting, but there's some quality posts on there with some really insightful information. So keep up the good work over there, y'all. I love the platform. Well, my shares aren't even clean to be able to sell. I don't so believe you yours go. Are, I don't believe yours are either. It's interesting <laughs> though. Um, we talk about the the sincerest uh, form of of flattery is is imitation, and we had the the other Patriot company that was listing on the ASX recently. And this week, I saw um, there's a new Ontario uh, lithium <laughs> company that has named their asset the Patriot asset, and so. Um, obviously, uh, you know, Patriot along with Frontier were two of the, the lithium market darlings last year. And it's interesting to see people um, flattering them by by either naming their companies after them or their uh, deposits. And, and look, I'll give you all my quick take because I know several of you, several of you have commented and, and have written in asking for, you know, weekly at the very least Patriot updates. So, yes, this, this trading has been volatile. Um, but look, the bottom line is if you look at a 12 month chart. It's new all-time highs damn near every month. And December was no exception. I'd like to remind everybody again, December 8th was the last all-time high in the stock. It's January the 12th, the day that we're recording this. Um, the stock looks to be gaining some momentum. It looked like it was going to maybe touch the five level, never really breach six um, with any kind of momentum. And we're sitting here today looking like we're primed to close above the $8 level here before the weekend is out. Lots of assay spending. I think there's something like 38 holes. The drill rig has been mo the drill rigs correction have been mobilized. They're not talking five rigs now. They're talking six by the end of February. There's talks of a PFS. Um, it's going to be a fun 2023, y'all. So I was wrong about 20 bucks by the end of the year. That was a bit optimistic and hopeful. We did touch double digits. We've been in single digits longer than I thought we'd be at the end of the day. It's not going to matter. I think we got by far the best lithium discovery in at least a decade or two and when it's all said and done i think there's going to be um some historic numbers put up by that district and look uh lithium m a is heating up in the sector we'll talk about that a little bit later but um all signs point to go happy shareholder who hasn't sold a share and i've added i you know i added a little bit as recently as like three weeks ago i think and so um yeah that, that that's my take on Patreon. let's talk the economy nick let's get right into that Let's talk about inflation. Let's talk about the recession. You talked about 
the bond market, which obviously is always, you know, top of mind for, I think, any serious investor and speculator. Uh, you want to get into all that? Um, yeah, there's there's plenty to get into. So as this cycle sort of wears on here, I think you've got the recessionary fears taking the place of the um, the interest rate or the, or the hiking fears. We now know that we're not going to get a pivot, um, likely going to be a 25 basis point hike here at the next meeting, which ends February 1st. Uh, still a lot of inflation to to deal with, right? Um, you know, the 6.5% uh, CPI that we got um, this week is still like really high inflation, not close to the 2% target that the um, Fed wants. And so um, if you read the, the minutes from the, the last meeting that they had in December, you know, every single uh, member of the FOMC says, you know, prepare for higher rates for longer. We're not going to uh, pivot in, in 2023. And, and don't forget, um, which a lot of people do, I think they're they're tightening uh, as well, quantitative tightening to the tune yes. of ninety five billion dollars a month, and that's led to uh, the first ever a decline in in the M uh, two money supply, right? Yes. So um, there's less liquidity out there. People are feeling uh, less rich, uh, business owners as well, and you've got these earnings that are going to start coming out. We talked about Exxon in, in recent podcasts saying they were going to take a $3.7 billion hit to their earnings because um, oil's down in the 70s as opposed to the, the 120s, which it was last year. Natural gas has come off significantly. Then um, you've got like home builders out there, like KB Homes reported, uh, or, or, yeah, announced this week that you know Q4 cancellations for, for homes were 68% cancellations. Uh, up from 13% in the year ago quarter, Q4 2021. And so- Good context, um, yep. I'm talking just about the stock market now. You've had volatility come down. If you look at that VIX index, you know it's back down below 20. It, it hasn't been there in a bit. Um, and I think people are in for uh, a, a rude awakening as, as we as we slog through this earnings season and, and um, you know these companies show their hands. Uh, the recession is, is, is here. Look, the yes. yield curve is still inverted, right? So- um, because that two year is staying high, uh, but while the ten year has has come off, and um, you know you can't escape that when the when the when the yield curve inverts, you have a recession. Now we had two consecutive quarters of slow growth last year, negative growth, um, which by definition is a recession. Q three was positive, uh, something like three point six percent, I believe it was, and Q four will likely be positive as well. Uh, but Q one and, and Q two of of this year is going to be rough go for the for the GDP, and, and so I was writing about a double whammy recession. That's a technical term where uh, <laughs> the first whammy was what I just said: the two quarters of negative growth last year, um, and it's like a sandwich. It's like a recession sandwich. So Q three and Q four will be positive, and then Q one and, and Q two will likely be flat or, or, or negative. Um, yeah, mm. I mean that that's sort of where we are, and it's gonna. Uh, culminate in, in something breaking. I'm not sure what that's going to be. It's going to be likely something in, in the credit market. Um, but uh, call it the eye of the storm. We're in the or the eye of the the double whammy sandwich. Um, it's not over yet. And and if you look at a chart of the um, the Nasdaq, it, it looks... the spit roast recession. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm going to put an stuff. apple in its mouth. <laughs> Couldn't help it. I, I was trying to help it. I'm sorry. Y'all know I'm hyper. I apologize, but I'm not really sorry. Oh, no, I've entirely <laughs> lost my train of thought. Um, oh, yeah, I was going to say, you look at the NASDAQ, like uh, what happened in, 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 in 2000, you know, that took uh, sort of two years to play out. And if yeah. you look at a NASDAQ chart now, it looks just like it did in the middle of that sell-off. Like the NASDAQ isn't signaling bottom. And um, again, I, I don't see the 
uh, the true capitulation out there. So anyway, all that to say that um, we still got another couple of quarters of, of of recession and 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 market volatility and downside to work through. Yeah, you said the D word, right? Deflationary pressures with quantitative tightening, and it's it's it's. I think it's interesting to note because all of us noted when we had double digit trillion negative yielding debt. It's interesting to note that that's gone away, you know, over the past twelve months, and so. You know, if if there's some upside to the, re- the the Fed hiking and trying to tame the inflation that it unleashed on, you know, disproportionately middle class and, and, and lower income class citizens around the world, it's that the negative yielding debt at the very least did, you know, did actually get tackled. And, and that's something that I didn't think would happen. So, again, I like to give uh, Jerome some credit when credit is due because it's not due very often. He was the cause, along with his buddies beforehand. Um, for that negative yielding debt, but getting that off the books is definitely a positive. And and, and look, it provides future ammunition because the Fed will pivot eventually. When does that happen? I don't know. It happens when the unemployment starts starts ticking up, right? So, which is sort of like the last thing. That's like the the lagging thing in a, in a recession. And we've talked about this before. So, recession comes. What does it affect? It affects um, housing first, and we've seen that. I was just talking about KB Homes. We've seen. Mortgage refinancings fall off a cliff. Nobody can afford a house at a seven percent mortgage, uh, and then it affects orders. And you've seen that with you know purchasing managers index and the ISM, for example. Yeah, uh, you know orders are off, and that cascades then into into profits, which we're we seeing we're seeing now. I was just talking about earnings going down. You know, negative earnings growth likely in the S and P for the the numbers that we're going to see over the next couple of weeks. And so, if follow me, you know, it's housing, it's orders, it's profits, and yep. then it's employment. And we haven't really seen that employment, um, whatever, metastasized yet, that unemployment rather. And you, you're going to see that later this year. And then that might give the the the, the Fed the cover to, to turn around, um, but likely not until Q3 or, or Q4. Well said, well said. Um, Got to touch on copper, man. Copper touch 420. We talked last week about how good we felt about the midterm and the long-term fundamentals for copper, right? One of what will be one of my biggest holdings in 2023. Now keep that one private because you and I, sir, have a video to record for our paying subscribers here in the coming days. But one of my bigger holdings, it's not one of my bigger ones now, but one that I will be adding to aggressively here in the very near future, you know, controls an entire basin of copper, gold, and silver. I couldn't be more bullish about copper. But honestly, this latest move took me even by surprise. The the, the velocity of it um, was surprising to the upside. And look, there's some extreme bargains in the copper sector right now, much like the gold miners that haven't really reacted the way you would assume to the higher gold price. There's a lot of copper projects that are world-class projects that simply are responding to this move in copper. And look, I think we're in for a half of a 2023. We'll talk lithium a little bit in a second. Um, we'll definitely have to talk uranium because that had a solid week this week here of trading the first real week of trading of the year. But I'm 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 loving my copper price action, Nick. What are you seeing technically? I mean, commodities have been interesting, right? Because if you look at the CRB index, it's um, not been strong recently, and that's a function of, at least in my opinion, the the soft energy space, right? Yeah. The the soft oil prices, the soft gas prices. Um, but you look at other components of it and. Uh, they're really strong. So it's actually been kind of tough to figure out, um, yep. given that we, we are in a recession and there's likely some, um, you know, demand pressures that are that, that have to be priced into that. Um, 
lumber, for example, you remember lumber from a year and a half or so yes, ago. I do. Oh my God, the lumber chart's going straight up. Well, you know, that lumber prices are back down now to below where they were pre-pandemic levels. Uh, meanwhile, as you say, copper is, is back over $4. Uh, uranium was up like 14% in, in 2022 and has tacked on another $2 so far this year, back at, you know, near the $50 mark. Yeah. Uh, I'm giving you a non-answer because it's really a mixed bag. Um, some of those commodities are, are moving up, um, specifically those that are tied to the energy transition, uh, which I think is an important point. Yep. Uh, the other important point that 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 I'd like to, to mention is you know, if you look at the super cycle, if you zoom out on that CRB commodity index back back to the mid '90s when the last super cycle started, uh, you know, commodities went up for like a year back then in, in the early '90s, retraced all the way back to zero round hmm. trip, but didn't go negative. The the CRB commodity index I'm talking about remained in their super cycle, which lasted until um, essentially the the early 2000s, right, and then um, sold off all the way until. Uh, 2020 when the new super cycle uh, began so you could get a retracement in the entire commodity index um, back to the 2020 levels and it'd still be in uh, a bullish super cycle which which i firmly believe that we're in so that was kind of a non-answer um but you know for me it's uh the 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 electric metals the battery metals those that are tied to the energy transition like i said that are that are going to do okay um and then, and then the traditional energy commodities are not doing a, as well. I think um, I think it's important to note that it's a whole heck of a lot easier to speculate in the resource sector in any sector in particular um, when you have a major trend underpinning the fundamentals, right? And you may get it wrong for a week or for a month, but it becomes a whole lot easier to put up triple-digit gains on a consistent basis by by writing out the trend and letting it be your friend. And so I think. Yeah, well said on the tax loss selling. It's good to see that be done. Um, price discovery is going to be fun to see in the month of January, given the start that we have in commodities thus far. It'll be interesting to see if that holds. Uranium started the year off very strongly in 2022, tapered off towards the end. That looks like it's got some of the best fundamentals of any commodity out there. And just getting back to Patriot and uh, lithium a little bit. Look, lithium was the top performing commodity for the past two years. A uh, company by the name of Essential Metals. It's an Australian company that's got a, a, a small, right? Small by by, by most standards. 11.2 million ton um, asset at 1.16 lithium. They just got taken out for 136 million dollars Canadian. So you know, I, I'll ask you this: if if that was Tanky that bought them, that is correct. Yeah, that is correct. So you know, similar deposit type, except much smaller than Patriots Corvette District. If 11 million tons is worth $136 million Australian, what's 150 million tons worth all in one place? What are 200 million tons worth all in one place? What are three, now, now I'm getting out of myself. What are 300 million tons worth all in one place? It's not going to take very long to find out just how big this thing can get. And um, yeah, obviously extremely bullish on that front. But very bullish for a lot of other names. I just had a new recommendation in uh, Junior Resource Monthly to paying subscribers that I think will provide, you know, a similar run from cents to dollars in relatively short order. We have the luxury there of being able to add aggressively over the next couple of months because that company won't be drilling its project until the freeze it's over is over, and that won't happen for another couple of months. So we have the luxury of time. We have the luxury of not many people being into that company yet. And uh, I know both you and I are shareholders there. We provide, we pr participated in an earlier financing, but 
again, looking to add aggressively there and looking to add aggressive copper exposure on my side of it. You, you mentioned the mega trend. It's worth mentioning the Biden administration this week put out a, a blueprint to um, decarbonizing the entire transportation <laughs> sector. By, by, um, by banning our gas stoves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, those are those. That, that's one of those topics that'll be out of the news by next it week. So the, the, same as the, the same as the egg prices, right? I've yeah, seen yeah. a lot of memes and things about <laughs> eggs and, and stoves and uh, gosh, I guess just for a second on the stoves, you know, the study <laughs> that that agency was citing was they like sealed the room up in plastic. Like, is your kitchen sealed up in plastic, Gerardo? Come on. Like, these I are asked the... on Twitter if anybody had ever stuck their head in the oven and closed it. <laughs> this is that noise that you have to get good at dismissing. And there's a lot yes. of noise out there. I want to talk about some more of it uh, later on in this podcast. Um it's just like, you know, the Republicans like, voting to ban the, the income tax this week, right? Like, that's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. They, it's not going to get through the Senate. It's certainly not going to be signed by the president. It's all a dog and pony show. And you just got to sort of, you know, but it'll consume an entire day on Twitter. And if you let yourself get consumed by that, then you really take your eye off the ball uh, uh, of what's really <laughs> going on. But anyway, uh, this blueprint goes all the way out to t 2050 and it's multiple agencies, you know, Housing and Urban Development, Department of Energy, et cetera. At Department of Transportation, yep. you got Pete Buttigieg in the video, and and that's a real thing. And they're talking about <laughs> the um, literally hundreds of billions of dollars, right? I go back to those bills that we passed in the past couple of years: the bipartisan infrastructure law, uh, the Inflation Reduction Act. You know, uh, that infrastructure bill by itself had over six hundred billion dollars to, to 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 help the transportation sector transition to to, to zero carbon. <laughs> And then they were talking about the investment that's coming from the global car community, um, which is now over half a trillion, right? So, and global automakers have committed half a trillion dollars by 2030 um, to build out battery plants to-, to right around to make, the corner. That goes electric. like this. That's right. So you take that half a billion from the global automakers, you take the 600 billion from the um, the infrastructure bill, and, and you got a trillion dollars right there. I mean, that's significantly underpinning this- <laughs> Uh, transition. And, um, you know, that's why these lithium stocks are continue to hold up. There's some battery stocks that I'm getting very keen on. Uh, um, and, and that's a multi, I mean, that's a quarter century to 2050. That's 25 years away. I'll take a 25 year bull market in batteries and battery metals. You don't have to be the smartest bulb in the box to make a lot of money from those types of trends, y'all. And again, neither I nor Mr. Nick Hodge nor anyone is going to get them all right. Um, but if you can get four or five out of 10 right and, and make those triple digit and quadruple digit winners, you're going to be all right. It's going to be a hell of a 10, 15, 20 year run. And so, you know, one, one week, one day, one month at a time. But it, it looks like it's going to be a fun decade or two for us, Nick. Green Barons, Revenge of the Miners. Yeah, it's been a fun last 10 years. I think the next 10 are going to be excellent. Um, what else do you want to get into, Nick? You want to talk crypto? We got to talk crypto. I mean, crypto looks like it might have a little life left in it. I know that Mr. Uh, Chris Curl, we talked about it last week, was able to be real opportunistic and, you know, book a couple of thousand percent gain. I'm not sure if you booked it, but I know it, it ran up that high before a small pullback there. What's your take on crypto? You know, I still, still haven't bought any of the cryptos yet. No, no Uniswaps and no mommies and no poppies and no anything. Yeah, he's been um, selective. Um, he ended up booking a 3x gain, which is, you know, pretty damn good in, in this yeah. uh, market on that bonk meme coin, which... Um, was uh, made by developers of, of Solana. He bought a related um, NFT as well that we're still holding in, in his portfolio. Um, 
I, I think crypto's in the middle of the whammy. I think it gets whammy to get. Like, I don't think the, the <laughs> it's bottoming, but it's not bottom, if that makes sense. Yep. Uh, I think you get a shot still at, at $14,000 uh, Bitcoin. I think there's continued fallout from the, the FTX scandal. You're seeing some of the, the related banks really be sold off now. Silvergate, for example. I don't know if you've tuned into any of that. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the interesting things he was writing about was the swift payment systems. I think that story really does have some legs. I forget if we talked about it on this podcast or not, but. Uh, there's a there's a, a new standard being adopted uh, this year by SWIFT, which is the the yep. global international payments yep. uh, standard. And there's only certain coins that are um, you know approved to be a part of that. So um, he's dialing in on some of those. I like like I say, I, I don't think we've seen a, a, a bottom yet. I'm not rushing headlong into Bitcoin, uh, but uh, you know nonetheless, Bitcoin's higher now than it's been in weeks, if not months. It printed an 18 handle today, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Bitcoin over eighteen thousand, and yep. it's been sort of middling around the sixteen, seventeen thousand dollar mark. So, um, it it'll have its day, but you know, I think it's going to get pushed back down when 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 this volatility starts going back up and these earnings start coming out. We have to talk. I mentioned up top about daily profit cycle and new products, and I know something that we're excited to share with everyone. Something that we've been working on behind the scenes for quite some time. I'll let you do the honors, Nick, as you all are quarterback here of the operation sir yeah coming out here soon we're going to launch a new publication profit cycle pro it's called so um it's going to be sort of uh what we would call a feeder pub or you know a teaser of, of all our our premium publications we're up to um uh, seven, seven. Or eight. yeah exactly now and um you know not everybody subscribes to all of them and they all cover different facets of the market different risk appetites different uh, durations different sectors um and profit cycle pro is going to be a way for um you to subscribe at a at a at a lower price than our other publications cost and and get bits and pieces of um all the publications and you you'll get a little bit more than that it's going to be run by um, two people who have been with us for a bit now, uh, John Carl and uh, Ryan Stansel. Um, and they'll be taking pieces of the publications that you and I and, and Chris Curl write and, and turning them into a digest of sorts. Um, they're also going to have um, sort of their own recommendations that are outside of uh, the recommendations <laughs> that you and I and Chris make. So you will be getting some value out there, things that you can't get or won't get from our other publications, including... Um, uh, some crowdfunding uh, deals, for example, and and I know John was just out visiting some uh, copper companies, and he's keen on recommending at least one of them. So um, we're also going to give you some some sentiment, right? As far as you know, what we're bullish and and bearish on, right? Are we currently bullish or bearish on the S and P, the Nasdaq, gold, copper, for example? Um, so you can at least know what we're long of and and what we're not long of, and then. Um, you'll have the opportunity from there to subscribe to the individual publications that you think um, might benefit you the most after you get to see a, a taste of them in Profit Cycle Pro. So uh, we'll be walking that out next month. We hope to get the first issue of that out to, around mid-February, and that'll go first to uh, people who have paid to subscribe to, to all our services. Um, and then we'll be doing a launch, of course, where uh, other readers can subscribe. A lot to be excited for. I know it's another leg um, of, of information that we're going to be able to share with subscribers that we're excited to share. It's always good to have you know a diverse set of opinions. You and I tend to agree on most things somehow 
Um, but, but, but it's good to bring on people that have different ideas. And I know you cover a lot more sectors than I do, Nick, but it, it, it'll be nice to have another, uh, another set of eyes out there. And, uh, I'm excited myself to, uh, to, to get to read some of the recommendations on the inside. It's always good stuff. Yep. I like it. I like it. We're going to talk Brazil real quick and <laughs> the Trump people that stormed the Capitol at Brazil. Yeah, <laughs> Call the Trump people. It wasn't Trump people, y'all. Just pissing the Trump people off for kicks. <laughs> you guys get it. triggered so much. Yeah, we got to talk about it. Trump had nothing to do with this, but you got to say, um, they probably got the idea from the January 6th debacle here last year, right? So in Brazil's capital here this past Sunday, thousands, thousands of protesters attacked the government institutions. Um, they stormed the capital. And look, Brazil's not playing. Brazil arrested everybody immediately. Not just the people that stormed the capital. Officers that let them in, unlike here in America. The top officials that incited this stuff, they went after them and picked them up. And look, I love the Brazilian people. The culture is beautiful. I haven't been to the country, but I've seen some videos and it looks absolutely spectacular. Um, but Brazil isn't exactly like a bastion of stability when it comes to democracy, right? So I'm not encouraging that we just willy-nilly decide to go arrest whatever official we don't like. I'm not encouraging that. But also, I mean, if you incite some of this stuff, I do like to see some accountability, not just with, you know, the average everyday Brazilian that decided to participate in this, but also some accountability for the top officials that helped incite some of this. And they can have their day in court, whatever that looks like there. That's, you know, that's obviously a Brazil problem. They'll deal with that the way they dealt with that. But I was encouraged by the fact that they arrested some top people and not just the everyday people, because in America, as you know, most times... Most times, it's just the people that were either on the ground, um, and, and and yeah, sure, maybe there was some chaos, but there were a lot of people, very high up elected people that were that were encouraging the stuff that happened here in America. And you know, if if anything happened for those people, is their poll numbers went up, and they ended up, you know, being able to fundraise off the fact that um, they were trying to protect democracy or whatever the tagline was. So yeah, those are my thoughts. Nothing consequential to us, but it was interesting to see not just what happened. Um, which has echoes of fourth, uh, fourth turning, right? It's fourth turning echoes all over the place. But the fact that they actually went after some of the top officials and said, no, you're getting arrested too. You're going with them. We'll figure it out later. Uh, rule of law is important. <laughs> you and I have uh, at least one major investment in Brazil. And yeah. um, hopefully that country can get some stability because that's important for the uh, resource sector for sure. I like it. I like it. We want to talk about all-in buy alerts and trades of the decade you put on there, Nick. So for everybody that thinks we have a process for this, five minutes before we start talking and I start rambling and Nick gives you a smart insight, we put stuff on a piece of paper just so that we don't forget. And that's how the topics uh, get dished out. So I say that to say, this includes my friends at CEO.ca. Y'all have a topic that you want us to talk about. You're really passionate about it. The Patriot chat board is the one that I'm on the most because it amuses me the most because y'all are really emotional over there. I love the passion. So put some stuff on there or better yet, click on our Bizarro World video, hit the comment section, let us know some topics that you want us to touch on because at the end of the day, we're just kind of talking the stuff that comes easiest to us and that we're curious about. But we have opinions on probably everything. You probably won't like our opinions on most things, but if you want to hear them, we'll give them to you. Uh, that actually reminds me, we should talk about rare earths for a second. Let's do it. Um, because somebody was asking for that in the comments last week. So, but before that, um, all in buy alerts and, and traits of the decade. So you, <laughs> you'll, you'll remember that uh, for the past couple of months, I've been talking about um, 
you know, uh, all these predictions about the end of lithium and these new batteries taking over. Um, the battery just, water that you drink and you become right, like, limitless. Which is just nonsense, right? If you look at, you know, benchmark mineral intelligence or you look at the deals that are actually getting done or the gigafactories that are actually being built. Yep. I've gone through all that, right? It's lithium yep. for at least the next decade. There's no recycling. There's no battery that's going to magically, you know, drop into the global supply chain that I just told you the automakers are committing half a trillion dollars to in the next um, it's seven years. That's all lithium-based, right? So as an extension of that, um, I've been seeing a lot of some, some newsletter marketing that is, um, <laughs> you know, it's all about getting the attention and the clicks. So I've been seeing some that are all in buy alerts, right? And I've seen them for multiple things. And I was wondering a couple of things, like how many all in buy alerts can you make? If you make one, aren't you already all in? Um, how often can you make an all in buy alert? <laughs> um, right? I mean, if you're all in, it's something like how many times can you go all in? Uh, two, going all in on anything is uh, not the way to invest, right? It's about uh, portfolio construction and uh, <laughs> diversification and making sure you don't get wiped out if one of your positions uh, goes the wrong way. To money, heaven. Exactly. And then, <laughs> uh, you know, as an extension of that, I've been seeing trade of the decade. Like, this is the, the one thing you got to do. And it's like, wait, there's only one trade for the decade? <laughs> That's I mean, it. We're, 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 we're only three years into it. There's a lot of decade <laughs> left. Um, <laughs> we're this reminds me of a George Carlin skit, right? The seven yeah. words you can't say. And, you know, how stupid it fucking but they was. Must be get, <laughs> they must be getting opens because I see them uh, repeatedly, which which speaks to the, the client base a little bit. So a, a couple of things. One, just wanted to call that out. Two, uh, a warning to those of you who read the newsletters <laughs> that, you know, you shouldn't be responding to or, or having the fear of missing out when someone's issuing an all-in buy alert because... One, they're definitely not all in. They're all in on marketing that to you, but they're not all in on whatever position they're uh, pitching to you. And two, uh, there is no trade of the decade. Like there might be a mega trend of the decade, but there's no like one single stock that's like the the trade of the 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 decade, right? So um, just some caveat mTOR stuff that I wanted to to get off my chest. And if you believe there's only one trade of the decade, technically you're not even a trader. So there's that. <laughs> I mean, what the fuck are we doing, people? Come on, everybody. Anyhow, back to what I was saying. You guys should all go to dailyprofitcycle.com forward slash subscribe to get all the updates, get the podcast, get the market commentary. Give us your commentary, positive, negative, insightful. Everybody likes nice words, but hey, sometimes it's helpful to hear some of the not so nice stuff that you guys have to say. You wanted before, to talk rare earths. Yes, well, you <clears throat> talk rare earths. I mean, you have a history in rare earths. I, I, you know, I have, might have a couple of things to add. Um, you go ahead and, and start talking, and I'll find out exactly what the question was. But he was basically asking us to talk about rare earths for a second. Yeah, look, I've, I've long been a supporter of developing a critical metal supply chain. This dating back to about 2008, 2009. I was really fortunate during those years to be mentored. You and I are both mentored, but you know, to, to become friends with and then be mentored by somebody that helped uh, finance what ended up becoming rare earth mania, right? And back then there were companies like Flinders Resources and Tasman Metals and Quest Rare Minerals and Rare Elements Resources. And these are companies that, you know, I bought at 16 sure. cents and you know, they, they got as high as $18 and not all of us wrote it all the way to $18. But uh, trust trust me, especially for me just getting going in the market in 2009-ish, 2010, 
um, in a serious way, the, those kind of returns absolutely helped open the door for me. So I say all that to say that rare earths are the things that are essential and they have been forever and China's dominated that supply chain and the, the, the production of it. They control, you know, I, I haven't checked the numbers lately, but it's over 90% of the refining um, that goes into getting these types of rare earths. There's two types. There's the light type and then there's the heavies and the heavies are the ones that are going into your electric vehicles, our missile systems, our satellites, um, our aircraft. Lasers. And, right. Laser. All the things that are essential for modern warfare, right? All the things that are essential for the transformation of our electrical grid, our, the transformation of our infrastructure. None of this happens without having an abundant supply of rare earths and specifically the heavy ones. Um, because those are, and pardon the cheesy pun, more critical. So there's been a, a a push, and a lot of it was tough for many, many years. Europe, United States, there was a lot of yapping about how important it was, and you know how how strategic it was. And frankly, it wasn't backed for a long time. <clears throat> pardon me, it wasn't backed for a long time by any real capital, the kind of capital, for example, that now is coming into the market for a lot of these critical commodities like uranium, like lithium like the rare earths. And so there's very few quality deposits outside of China that are worth actually investing in. More and more being developed, there's a few companies that have some great assets. Defense Metals has, you know, a very good asset. Leading Edge Materials, which I've been a long time frustrated shareholder um, of, has what I think is one of the best undeveloped rare earth assets specifically well endowed in the heavies um and, and and hasn't seen any kind of reward from the market for it for over three years for many reasons right some of that was corporate structuring and some of that was just lack of marketing and, and some permitting issues that were at hand but there are some opportunities out there to do very very well though i think because the sector is so small and opaque it tends to get less attention and the attention comes in burst so you'll have an incident off the coast of japan um, and it'll trigger an international scrap between China and Japan. And next thing you know, China's threatening to cut off the rare earth supply, which is exactly what happened back in 2010, 2011. Um, and then and, and that's where those gains came from. It was just this global scare. Well, what are we going to do now if China cuts us off? Well, we're still pretty much in that predicament. We're not much better off than we were 13 years ago. But at least there's some there's some goodwill backed by real capital and bipartisan support to develop these critical metals chains, these rare earth metal chains um, that I think are, are, are going to be just very, very important to keep an eye on, especially as I mentioned last week, as we progress this cold war with China, which is very real and it's very behind the scenes. But believe you me, they want to be the number one financial superpower in the world by the 2030s. And believe you me, the U.S. isn't just going to relinquish that, though you wouldn't know that by listening to the dumb shit our politicians do every day. Um, but that's another story for another day. So anyhow, uh, have some exposure to rare earths in the portfolio. I know you've had some good exposure and success, Nick, in the past in your portfolio. Would love to hear your take. That's my rare earth rate. So the question is this uh, from Robert M. Happy New Year to you both. Any chance of a review of rare earths marketplace with some dives into companies gearing up as world players? He talks about Linus, Rare X, and ACA. I'm not entirely familiar with those last two companies there. Um, and I look more at the domestic players being a, a U.S. citizen. So I'll talk my own book for a second. Um, there's a company called MP Materials that has the Mount Pass asset. 
um, in California that was, you know, Molly Cork back in the day that that had its own struggles and eventually went uh, belly up. Um, I believe was sold to the Chinese and then came back into into U.S. hands. Um, that's been a really good success story. Yep. Um, it's already in my foundational profits portfolio. Yep. I am a shareholder, so I'm biased. Um, but they're making a foray a foray into the next two phases of their expansion, which I think is going to be really important for them. Right. So they've got the mine up and running, uh, but now they're building two facilities. You talked about the light rare earths and the and the heavy rare earths. They're building a processing facility for. Um, light rare earths, they're building a processing facility for the heavy rare earths. One of them is in um, your state of Tejas. Yeah, and they've gotten up. money directly from the uh, government to do that, specifically from the Department of Defense to build those processing facilities mm-hmm. because of that Cold War that you mentioned, right? The, the government mm-hmm. is finally getting serious about uh, onshoring or, or reshoring some of these uh, critical supply chains. Um, and, and so I think that's going to be a real catalyst for uh, MP materials to have additional success. So um, not only do we already own it, um, it's uh, below our, our, you know, our, what we call our buy under price now. So I was just writing in the January issue that, you know, it's worth taking a look at again. And, and I've got a limit order in to buy some more myself. Right. The other one that I don't own, but that I look at all the time is, is energy fuels. Yeah. Um, which has the, uh, the white Mesa mill, uh, which, you know, processes uh, some of these rare earths. And so, um, Hey, you, you know, uranium's had a good start to the year. I, I, I was looking at that energy fuels and it's gotten away from me as again, uh, again, Same. As it, you know, and I have both been eyeballing uh, that thing. You're top. trying to find the bottom on it. We keep missing the bouts. I know. Uh, but those would be two <laughs> that I look at that specifically address that, uh, processing side of things that that China controls. Yeah, and and again, and I don't own it, but I do own it in the portfolio. Um, leading edge materials is one that I think provides excellent, excellent exposure to not just rare earths, but also graphite. And you know, I think we're going to see some pretty important exploration work in Romania. Finally, this is three years in the making of securing permits and licenses, and these are past producing. Um, uranium nickel copper projects that, you know, are within a pretty substantial land holding. They should be getting into the edits here within the next couple of months. And I think, look, I think it's going to be easy pickings once they get in there and just trace the mineralization. So much was left behind. Um, And then there's so much historical work that they're going to be able to sift through to really identify the most compelling targets. So been saying it for a few years. I've been dead wrong. I think leading edge materials finally breaks out this year and gets its, you know, it's 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 just due. And look, again, I've had stocks in the past that I've held for too long, for two or three years, and I'm sitting there and I'm down 30%, but I still really love the asset. And then all of a sudden, right, there's one hole and I'm up a thousand percent. This stuff happens or I'm up a hundred or two hundred percent. So if I know the asset is 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 top notch, if I think it can deliver in time, I'm willing to eat crow for a couple of years and do so publicly as long as the end game gives me triple digit gains and above. Because if you can get a triple digit gain every two, three years with all your stuff or half your stuff, again, you're going to do pretty well in this market. Good stuff. Um, that probably a good transition to wrap up here is um, some of those companies we just talked about will be at the Vancouver Resource Investment Conference that's coming up this month, uh, January 29th and 30th. I will be up there. Uh, talking to portfolio companies, uh, looking for potential new portfolio companies. Um, and so if you're in the area, please do reach out. Uh, some of you have already. And um, if you're not, you might want to consider going. I know it's kind of late notice, but uh, that's here in about uh, two and a half weeks or so uh, coming up really fast. 
And there's you know, another conference going on that I'm not going to, like the the Metals Investor Forum. So plenty of events to to attend in, in Vancouver that week and not bad restaurant scene either. Not bad at all. I was looking forward again. I, I don't know what it is about Vancouver that that that, that keeps me away. Um, every time I plan on going, something pops up. So I won't be able to make it, but Nick will absolutely be there holding down the fort. That's all I got, everybody. I am Gerardo Del Real, along with Mr. Nick Hodge. This was our weekly therapy session that we call Investing in Bizarro World number 201. Mr. Hodge, you want to send us off? Go all in on clicking that subscribe button below. See ya. Trade of the decade. <laughs> hey there, you independent-minded investor. If you like this video, make sure to tell us so by clicking the like button below. Subscribe to our channel so you never miss another one. And share it with everyone you know on social media. You can also click the link in the description below to check out more information-packed videos just like this one. Thanks for watching.